Well, good morning. After a rousing set of worship, I'm going to make a hard turn here, okay? I'm going to be the bearer of bad news. Summer's over. No more trips to the beach. No more week-long, up-north family vacations. No more evening dips in the pool. And obviously, no more white pants. No more white pants. These are the types of things that happen when the calendar turns to the first week of September. I want you to know that first week, that Labor Day, serves as a marker of sorts. It's time to reflect upon the summer, what we've done, what we've experienced together, the good books we've read, all the things we've been able to accomplish and experience during those summer months. It's one of those things. It's a marker of sorts in my life because I like to take a bit of a personal inventory on Labor Day. Not a pass-fail sort of thing, but that kind of self-assessment where I look back, I take a few moments to get the state of our family, get the state of our home, but then also do something a little bit more personal. Get the state of my own heart and my own mind. These are important practices that I strive to do every Labor Day as we head into the fall season, what is typically a very busy fall season with kids going back to school and things ramping up. And so I try to hit the pause button for a moment of reflection. Now this morning, what I'm going to be doing is giving you that opportunity to do the very same thing. Or here in less than 30 minutes, we're going to do an assessment of a different kind. It's an assessment that has its foundation in the Word of God. So you can breathe easy, okay? We're not going to be handing out the Enneagram. There'll be no diagrams to fill out. There's no questionnaires. We're not going to meet with you individually at the end of the service to go over your findings. That's not the kind of self-assessment we're looking for. But what we're going to do today is try to give you a few moments, just a few moments on a Sunday morning, where we can take care of our souls, where we can care for our souls as we close out the summer and head into that fall season. We're going to be doing so by looking at one of my favorite writings in all of the Psalms. It's Psalm 27. But before we grab our Bibles and dig in, let's pray together. Gracious God, we sing your praises because that's what you're due, you're worthy. You're worthy of our coming here and getting all dressed up or relaxing in the front seat wherever you find us today. God, you are worthy of our adoration and our praise as we come before you today. You're worthy. But God, we also recognize that we are in a season of time in our culture that has been very, very difficult for many of us. The journey, the road is hard whether it's relational, whether it's with finances, whether it's with our career. God, these are difficult times. 
And so in the midst of these difficult times, God, we pray that you would minister to us in just this next half hour of time, this next season of time right here on a Sunday morning. God, we invite your spirit to work in our hearts today, that you would meet with us through the truth that is found in your word, God, that you would meet with us. And so, God, we humbly ask for eyes to see the truth, for ears to be receptive and hear the truth, and then hearts that can rest easy and pause and be humbled before you to allow the truth to penetrate us and flow through us in the week ahead. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today's sermon is what we call here at Woodside something called a campus pastor choice. So what that means is today's message is something that God has laid upon my heart for you as our church family. This is not a message that is being preached at all 14 Woodside campuses. This is unique to the Woodside White Lake family. It's from my heart to yours. I want to get started by just acknowledging that, as many of you know, I love the Psalms. I love the Psalms. I love the Psalms for many reasons, but I want you to know that that's what I spent time reading this summer. That's what I spent time reflecting upon throughout the summer. That's what I spent time praying through this summer is I lived in the Psalms. And I want you to know that it has been incredibly healthy for my soul. It's been incredibly healthy for my soul. Now you might say, well, pastor, I recognize that you've been in the Psalms because the last couple series we've been working through here on Sundays have been in the Psalms. That's true. Both our assembly required and built for more sermon series uh, were digging into the Psalms and what it means to be part of the family of God as we enter into this thing called church together, as we walk it out. There's assembly required because we are built for more. But I love the Psalms for a couple of very specific reasons. It gives that big picture to what God has planned for his family, for his church. That's one. But also I love the Psalms because it gives us something else. It gives us an opportunity to understand at a deep level what it means to be human, what it means to experience the highs and the lows on our faith journey, that's in the Psalms. What it means to struggle and wrestle with God, that's in the Psalms. What it means to have an experience unspeakable joy, that is in the Psalms, to have our hearts transformed by praise, that is in the Psalms. So wherever you find yourself on your faith journey today, struggling, unspeakable joy, somewhere on that spectrum, I believe that Psalm 27 is going to have something for you today. So let's dig in. Let's grab our Bibles. We're going to turn to Psalm 27. Again, Psalm 27, if you're using the ESV Bible that we use here at church, you're going to find that on page 460, 460. Again, Psalm 27. It's a psalm of David. Here's what he writes. The Lord is my light 
and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now, My head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices and shouts of joy. I will sing and I will make a melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face, and my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord, the Lord will take me in. So teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. It is one of the many psalms of lament in the Psalter. Now when I say that it's a psalm of lament, there are three primary categories of psalms. When you you dig through the book, there's essentially three different themes that are addressed. There's psalms that highlight praise, there are psalms that highlight lament, and there are psalms that highlight thanksgiving. Here's what might surprise us. Lament is the most frequent. Lament. But let's be honest. Lament is not one of those words that we use in our contemporary vocabulary, is it? Honey, I am lamenting our finances. Not exactly. I lament the choices that my kids are making. Not so much. But the heart behind the word lament is something that I, we might not be familiar with the word, but the heart behind it is something that resonates with each and every one of us today. Allow me to reference one of my seminary professors, a guy by the name of Dr. Mark Fittado. He has spent his life studying and writing about the Psalms, and here's what he writes. He says, our lives are not always well-oriented. Disorientation better describes life at times. And so the laments or songs of disorientation were written for such a time as this. 
written for these kinds of times. Disorientation. To me, that's a word that describes what's going on in our culture today, what's going on in our lives today. Whatever the category is, you look at the school systems, it seems that there's disorientation. You look at the medical community, and it seems that there is disorientation. You turn on to get away from it all and watch the sports world, and there is disorientation. I've even touched on politics. There's disorientation. It seems to me that our world is in that moment of disorientation. And so the Psalms of Lament are for us. The Psalms of Lament can minister to us in a deep and significant way. But here's one thing you also have to know about the Psalms of Lament. And I think you heard it and you could pick it up in the text we just read. They typically begin with a problem. The psalmist, in this case David, often highlights a problem. Then he moves from that problem into a deep, heartfelt plea. And then from that plea, it often ends with praise. It often ends with praise. So let's dig a little bit deeper. We're going to begin with those first few verses. Picking it up at verse 1, we're going to engage with this text. Again, I want you to hear it one more time, just these first six verses. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat at my flesh, and my adversaries and foes, when they're on, on me, if they stumble and fall, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I, I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up. Above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. And I will sing and make a melody to the Lord. You see, what we hear from David at the beginning of Psalm 27 is a heart that is overflowing with confidence in God and in God's character. It's a heart of confidence. Listen to the words that David uses to describe God. He said, He is my light. He is my salvation. God is my stronghold. Because those things are true, because those things he has experienced, he then declares in, that he will experience God as his dwelling place. He will experience God under his shelter. He will experience God as his covering. All of those things are true for David through faith. David experiences those things through faith. David's declaration reveals something important to every single one of us here today. It is a heart that has great confidence in God, and that provides the first of three seasons of the soul that we're going to find expressed in Psalm 27. And the first one is this, soul confidence. Through faith, God gives you and me soul 
confidence. Whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, whether you're a child, we experience confidence in our souls regardless of our circumstances because we know who God is. Because we know who God is, we know the character of the God who we're addressing in prayer and we know that we can trust him. Through faith, you and I know because we've experienced it. And we've done so in a way that people without faith simply do not understand and have not experienced. Now let me be clear, that is not a posture of arrogance. That's not a posture of arrogance. Rather, it is one of humility and tremendous gratitude because we should all be humbled that God has called us and drawn us to himself so that we can experience these things. So listen to the words of David once again and how they can give you and me confidence. It says, God is light. God is light. You see, through the Holy Spirit who indwells all believers, you and I then have the light of spiritual direction from the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. As we trust in Christ, we are given the Spirit of God, and that Spirit guides and lights our path. God's light. God is our salvation. This is what believers have in Jesus Christ, who died to pay the penalty that our sin deserved. We experience salvation. We have the eternal hope of salvation that is rooted in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And finally, God is our stronghold. This is what you and I experience in a relationship with God. He is our refuge. He is our strength amidst the trials and the turmoil and all the stuff of life. He's our stronghold. Theologian John Stott sums it up this way. He said, the Lord is my light. He's my light to guide me. The Lord is my salvation. He's that to deliver me. And the stronghold of my life, he's that so I can take refuge in him. So those are three realities within that one reality of soul confidence in God. Let's continue on in our text, picking it up at verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. For you have said, seek my face. And so my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord, he will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. Do you guys catch the difference in the writing there? Do you see it? Did you, did you feel it? The psalmist has made a dramatic shift in his writing style, in the language he's using, and in the posture of his heart. He's moved from confidence. Here he's crying out in prayer. 
He's crying out in prayer. Verses 7 through 12 are words that capture the heart cry of a man before a holy God. It's a heart that feels alone, yet is seeking acceptance. It's a heart that desires to be taught and led and protected. And this heartfelt prayer gives you and I the second season of the soul that we find in Psalm 27. It is a soul cry. It's an honest cry of our soul to God. It is a soul cry. Now, at the beginning of the message, I mentioned that this psalm would have something for all of us. The reason I could say that with confidence is because I know at sometimes a hundred percent of us have experienced what the psalmist is writing in this text. Without a doubt, we have felt alone. Without a doubt, we have longed to be accepted. We've yearned to be shown the right way, the right path, the right direction. And we long to be protected. Those are real and raw emotions. And these are the things that we pray for in the darkness of night. When our world is not going the way that we would design it. When we find ourselves in the middle of a global pandemic. When we look around and our world just seems to be moving a bit too fast. We cry out to God. And that's what David does in our text. His cry to a holy God is at the heart of Psalm 27, and it should give salve to our souls this morning. I say that because it's an invitation. It's an invitation for you and I to come with all of our raw emotion, all of the anxiety that we carry, all the questions that you and I have to cry out to God in prayer. So let me pause. Let me make this about you for just a moment. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time that you did that? I mean, really had that moment of gut-level honesty with your Heavenly Father. I'm not talking about some glossed-over, buttoned-up, overly religious kind of prayer. I'm talking about the kind that is brutally honest and comes from the depths of your soul. That's the kind I'm talking about. And that's what we're invited into in this psalm. David requests that God would not turn away, but instead that he would draw near. He requests that God would lead him. He requests that God would guide him on the paths through the depths of the valley of the soul that you were walking through and that David was walking through. And this is a soul cry. I invite you into that experience. That's what it means to journey with Christ, to journey in a relationship with God that you can be honest with him and pour out your soul to him. It's a soul cry. 
So we've now seen the first two seasons of the soul that David models for us in Psalm 27. David has first modeled soul confidence in those first six verses. In the next section, we've seen him cry out to God with a soul cry. Now let's look at the final portion of our text. See the third season of the soul. It comes in verses 13 and 14. It says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Church, Psalm 27 has taken us on a journey. It's a journey that leads us to a place where our soul can be at peace. And that's the third season of the soul. Soul peace. That you and I can trust and depend upon God when you and I experience soul peace. You see, David wraps up this psalm with a trust that he will see God move in his life. Now, to be clear, oftentimes when you see someone writing, you can be thinking that they're talking about the afterlife. They're thinking of the eternal life. That's not what's happening here. Here's what I, here's what I mean. Looking upon the goodness of the Lord, where? In the land of the living. In the here and the now. That's what he's asking for. David is trusting. He's practicing faith that God will answer the requests of his heart. But like many of us have experienced, the answers don't come immediately. And that's why he leaves us with an exhortation. He says, wait. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take courage and wait. But let's be honest, nobody likes to wait, do we? (laughs) Not at a stoplight, not in line at the grocery store, certainly not at the Secretary of State's office. We do not like to wait. Truth is, we live in an immediate culture. We're not a people who are good at waiting, and yet waiting is exactly what David recommends. He recommends it to his own soul and he recommends it to all who read this psalm. To you and to me. Because waiting builds strength. Waiting builds courage. And when you and I wait patiently for the Lord, what we're doing is depending upon the goodness of God. So church family, It is my hope that if you have the privilege of having Labor Day off, and if you don't, if you can sneak in some time within the next week to take a few moments to reflect upon your summer, to look back, to do an assessment. And when you do, it is my hope that you might rest in your relationship with God and that you might experience true soul peace.